0: Because this oil refinery is closing. Not only are 700 people losing their jobs, but the parish, the schools, the sheriff, and so forth are going to lose 24 million.
1: C3 of Northwest Alabama, so this is the Northwest Alabama Economic Alliance, is hunting a president and
2: CEO. EAE Systems is investing more than 100 million to build a state of the art navigation systems research and assembly plant in Cedar Rapids, Iowa.
3: As of October 28th, 1,600 businesses and nonprofits received funding from the Delaware Relief Grants Program, and now the program
4: has an additional 50 million. We deal with our men, and most men gravitate toward blue and green.
0: He won the club championship golf tournament for the Missouri Athletic Club in St. Louis. Next move group, the voice of economic development. Here is Chad Chancellor. Hello, I'm Chad Chancellor. Welcome to this week's YouTube Economic Development Newscast, The Voice of Economic Development. So this week in my current affairs section, got some good things to talk about, but also some bad news, unfortunately. So let's start with the good news. We're currently doing a couple executive searches. You ought to know about three, actually, right now. One for the C3 of Northwest Alabama. That search is open for two more weeks. So if you're interested in that one, get your resumes in. Alex Metzger will tell you more about that. When it gets to his segment, we're also—that's for CEO role. We're also doing two searches for the Longview, Texas economic development council. One for their vice president, and one for their business retention expansion person. So let us know if you might be interested in that one. Now we're mixing a little bad news. I guess we're gonna go good news, bad news, good news, bad news, so that it's not all at one. So you all know, every two years we do a Mardi Gras event. In New Orleans, where we really talk about creating economic growth for small to mid sized companies, communities, and nonprofit organizations. Many of y'all have been to our events in the past. We always do it the Thursday before Mardi Gras. That way, if you want to stick around for Mardi Gras weekend, you can. Or if you want to go home, you can. Well, we're going to have to officially put that off this year. We kind of know we were probably going to be putting it off, but rumors coming out of New Orleans is we're not going to have Mardi Gras parades this year. That's the rumor right now, but it seems to be a really strong rumor. So by the time we arranged the room and got our guests and all, it's just too big of a chance to take, especially if we're not going to have Mardi Gras Parade. So it looks like we're not going to have that one. We will uh, look to do it again in 2022. Back to the good news. This week, we're going to release our online marketing course, which is really a six-part series that can teach you how to do online marketing, whether you've got a $1,000 budget or you've got a $100,000 budget. We talk about doing podcasts just like this, how you can set these things up. Our movement members have already started podcast channels because of this video. So we're excited to see how those go. Thank you for that. We talk about how to do advertising. Many of you see our ads as you browse Fox News or CNN or AccuWeather or anything. You may wonder how in the world does Next Move Group deliver those ads. We'll show you just exactly how we do that in this online marketing course. We show you how to do email marketing to generate prospects, LinkedIn marketing, and so forth. And we tie it all together with a budget for you. So we're gonna open that online marketing course this week. I will tell you, we made it our business to really learn online marketing back in about 2017. And we made a lot of mistakes first learning it, but we seem to have figured it out. In the last year, we've grown more than double, and most of that's been because of online marketing. So in this course, we're gonna teach you how to do it, For two reasons. One, you can get prospects out of it, but also you can grow your organization's reputation right there in your own community. Now back to our bad news. Mississippi State – it's terrible. We beat Vanderbilt yesterday, but we only gained like 200 yards on Vanderbilt. They outgained us 400 to 200. Vanderbilt outgained Mississippi State 400 to 200. We have literally kicked off every talented player on our team. You know, if you came into the season and said, who are our most talented players, we kicked all of them off. So, we've won all. We're going win. I don't even think we can beat Ole Miss. You know, that's the game I want most. But I think we're going to end up going 2-8. and eight. Back to the good news, the other co-founder of Next Move Group, Had quite a personal accomplishment this past week. You'll see him here with the trophy. He won the club championship golf tournament. For the Missouri Athletic Club in St. Louis. So the Missouri Athletic Club was founded in 1903, and they have had famous members of the club, such as President Harry Truman, Stan Musial, Jack Buck, and so forth. So we're awful proud of Alex winning that club championship. That's some accomplishment there. That name's going to be on that trophy forever. So congratulations to Alex. And people keep asking me if the view of his arch there in St. Louis, you'll see him in a minute, people keep asking me, is that a real view or is that one of these Zoom, you know, backgrounds or whatever. Well, that's a real view. He has moved into a condo that basically overlooks the Bush Stadium and the arch there in his living room. So uh, not only did he win the club championship, but he's living he's living pretty well these days with his view. Back to the bad news this weekend. The Baton Rouge Advocate, I'm going to read a story to you, some of this story. Shell Oil is closing a refinery in St. James Parish, Louisiana. And it's going to cost the parish $24 million in taxes per year. St James Parish has a population of about twenty two thousand people, and because this oil refinery is closing, not only are seven hundred people losing their job but the parish, the schools, the sheriff, and so forth are going to lose twenty four million dollars according to this article and so I wanted to point this out just to tell economic developers this is why you're so important, so what you'll often hear on the news are people talking about the jobs we're getting jobs we're losing jobs it's way more than the jobs folks every t- you recruit a manufacturing type company, taxes like this are generated for your county. Down here we call them parishes. They're generated for your county, whether they're property taxes. And I don't care if you give away a 10-year payment. Shell Oil's had this refinery since the 60s. Property taxes, corporate income taxes, inventory taxes, taxes on utilities, electricity and so forth, fuel taxes. The taxes go on and on forever. You can't give away enough incentives to attract manufacturers like this. And so when one of these go under this ends up hurting the school system. I don't know how in the world they're going to pay for their schools after losing this much. And so bad, bad news for us. But I wanted to use this article just to tell economic developers this is why our profession is so important. So you hear so much talk of politics. This is not a political statement. This just happened this week. This is not a political statement. You hear all this talk of politics, so in this party and that party. As economic developers, we got to be above the fray. You got to take care of your existing industries. You got to get out there and figure out what's what. I'm not saying people didn't do that in this case. I don't know. But this just shows you if you lose a manufacturer, your schools are going to be in real trouble. Your hospitals could be in real trouble. Your county roads could be in real trouble. So you got to defend what you have, much less go play offense. you got to defend what you have. So these are real numbers in this article that you're seeing being scrolled, real numbers. The CFO of the school system said, this thing came to us like an uppercut to the head from Mike Tyson. This was the school's chief financial officer in St. James Parish. He said, we're still in the process of getting our vision back. So it's so important as economic developers that you know, no matter what's said on television, no matter what's said at a council meeting, whatever, you need to know just how important our jobs is, not just to the people that work at the plants but to the schools, to the county, to the roads, to everything else. And I'll end my section with the last piece of good news this week. So over in the Kansas City region, Evergy Electric Power has joined the movement at the corporate level, which gets all the economic developers in their territory all the way down to Wichita and Kansas and over in the Kansas City area. They all now have access to our movement. So thank you for that, Evergy. We appreciate it very much. So what we're going to do this week at the end of our show, we have got actually an interview with Alex Metzger and Gabby Moolis on our team with Becky Freakley. She's the owner of Candid Marketing in Kansas City. So since Evergy Power it used to be called Kansas City Power, they merged with West Star. And I still sometimes I don't even call them the right thing anymore. But since y'all have become members of the movement, we thought this week we would hone in on a real professional in Kansas City that has expertise in marketing, branding, and so forth. Just as a thank you to the Kansas City region for joining our movement. So that'll be coming here at the end of our show. Good evening, everybody, and
1: welcome to the Your Next Move segment of tonight's newscast. We have a few opportunities we want to discuss around the nation. Hopefully, some of them interest you. We're going to start with a few positions that Next Move Group is doing. So, uh, C3 of Northwest Alabama. So, this is the Northwest Alabama Economic Alliance is hunting a president and CEO. You may have heard Chad touch on this earlier. Um, so, for those of you all that aren't familiar, although the office is actually in Gwin, Alabama, uh, this is a three-county area between uh, Marion County, Lamar County, and Fayette County. So an excellent opportunity, has a tremendous benefits package. You're going to pay anywhere from 75 dollars to around $105,000 based on experience. So if you'd like to learn more about the area, visit our website. You'll see the full job description, thenextmovegroup.com backslash C3. And down in Longview, Texas, we're going to help them find a couple of positions that are available. So, this is the Longview Economic Development Corporation. For those of you all that aren't familiar, Longview is on the eastern side of Texas, not far from Shreveport, Louisiana, kind of in between Shreveport and Dallas. So, uh, a VP and a director of BRE is what they are looking for. And if you'd like some more information or to you know, say you're interested, just email us at info at thenextmovegroup.com. Now for some searches around the nation. We don't have that many, but we're going to start with a couple city positions that are available. First in Oregon City, Oregon. So Oregon City is kind of uh, just a little bit south of Portland. They are looking for an economic development coordinator. So uh, doing the search themselves, if you'd like some information, go straight to their city website at orcity.org. And down in Texas, in a suburb of Houston, the city of Missouri City is looking for a director of economic development. This is going to report to the assistant city manager, but it is in the Houston metro area. So um, for those of y'all, we have a few Texas opportunities, that's for sure. If you would like to apply, email humanresources at missouricitytexas.gov. And there's a county position available in Florida. So this is Citrus County, Florida. Um, They are looking for a director of economic development. Um, So this county kind of runs right along the Gulf on the western side of the state. So if you would like to apply, go straight to their website. They have the job description on there, citrusbocc.com. And finally, we're gonna end in Virginia. So the State Organization of Virginia is looking for a business manager. This is the Virginia Economic Development Partnership. It is based out of Richmond. This position is gonna be a kind of business attraction. You're gonna deal with site selectors, targeted industries, et cetera. So if you'd like to apply, you can visit this email address and website we're gonna put below. As always, we wanna thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate your continued support and watching these newscasts. Um, If you have any interest in these positions, please reach out to the people below. Uh, You don't have to do it to submit your resume, just to learn a little more about the positions, reach on out and we will see you all in a couple weeks.
2: Hello, this is Brandon Nettles. In this week's Rounding the Basis segment, I'll be detailing new industrial announcements from across America. To start us off this week, BAE Systems is investing more than $100 million to build a state-of-the-art navigation systems research and assembly plant in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Frito-Lay is going to expand their operations in Pulaski, Tennessee, and they're expected to create 100 new jobs and invest $100 million. Auto supplier Mobis is going to invest $15.8 million to open a new facility in Jefferson County, Alabama, and they're expected to create 120 new jobs over three years. Lowe's Home Improvement announced plans to construct a new facility in Bessemer, Alabama, and they're going to create 150 new jobs and invest over $61 million. Hankins Lumber is expanding its presence and locating a new sawmill operation in Grenada County, Mississippi, and they're going to invest $12.5 million. U.S. Medical Glove Company is, is going to invest nearly $32.5 million and expand an existing facility in Bourbon County, Kentucky, and they're going to create 192 new jobs. FNS Group is going to invest $33.4 million to build a warehouse and distribution center in Clarksville, Tennessee. Cornerstone Building Brands Incorporated is going to invest $25 million over five years to establish a production facility in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. 3815 Media is expanding with a new HQ in Peachtree Corners, Georgia. Nuovotronics is gonna invest 50 million over five years to increase their manufacturing capabilities in Durham, North Carolina. Flex X-Ray opened the company's new state-of-the-art food and product inspection facility in Aurora, Illinois, and they're gonna hire 150 new workers. Lightbox opened their $94 million advanced manufacturing facility in Gresham, Oregon. Vigilant Labs is planning a $104.6 million HQ and operations campus in North Charleston, South Carolina. Kith Kitchens plans to invest $11 million to open a new manufacturing facility in Florence, Alabama, and that's going to create 131 new full-time jobs. McCormick & Company, Incorporated uh, is going to locate its Northeast Distribution Center in Sparrows Point, Maryland. Finally, Nova Steel USA Incorporated, uh, they're a Canadian steel processor. They're going to invest $70 million to locate a tube manufacturing facility in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And that project is expected to create 110 uh, new jobs. That's going to round us out for this week. Feel free to reach out if you have any new announcement that you would like us to feature. And I'll see you next time.
3: Hey everyone, it's Gabby Molise. Welcome to this week's Learning Lab segment. In this week's Learning Lab, I'm going to go over a few more small business grant programs that are available across the country. Let's dive right in. The first state I'm going to talk about today is Delaware. Delaware expanded eligibility and increased funding for its relief grants. As of October 28th, 1,600 businesses and nonprofits received funding from the Delaware Relief Grants Program, and now the program has an additional $50 million. So in this third round of funding, small business businesses no longer need to demonstrate a revenue decline of at least 7.5% from 2019 to 2020. They only need to demonstrate a decrease in revenue of any size. So you can learn more about that and see if your business is eligible on business.delaware.gov. relief So I mentioned this program before, but the next one I'm going to talk about today is for the state of Illinois. The state's Small Business Relief Grants Program, or Business Interruption Grants, or BIG, still has $175 million left to give, so the state is urging small businesses to apply as the program will last until the funds run out. And you can learn more about that at www.illinois.gov slash DCEO slash Small Assistance. Now, Ohio announced a new COVID-19 Small Business Relief Grant Program. Under the program, the state is making 125 million dollars available for small business relief, with 50 10,000 dollar grants available in every county in the state on a first come first served basis. After the first 44 million dollars is dispensed by county, the rest of the money will be distributed without regard to geography. So, and that will also be on a first come first served basis. So, this program is taking applications until November 23rd, 2020. And for more information on that, you can check out business help.ohio.gov slash small business relief grant. Well, that's all for this week and until next time.
1: Well, everybody, we're here today with Becky Freitley, and I know many of our followers in Missouri or the Kansas area, you all probably know Becky, but for those that don't, she has a long history of marketing and branding in her background, and she is with Candid Marketing in the KC area. So Becky, thank you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your firm
4: and and your branding history. Um, Thanks, Alex, so much, and Gabby, it's great to be with you guys. Um, So I'm with Candid Marketing, I started the firm in 2005, and uh, we really evolved into a more of a branding type of firm. And we do both B2B branding as well as a specialization in economic development. And over the course of 15 years, we've branded um, roughly about 18 EDOs and communities throughout the Midwest. And um, probably about half of those. Um, are brands that we actually produced. Some of the other ones are, we inherited maybe a logo that somebody produced for them and then we got to turn it into a brand. So that's been kind of an interesting situation You we have to make it fit. Um, so that's been kind of an exciting journey for us as far as um, working with a lot of different types of organizations at every stage of their lifespan. Um, and people often ask, well, you know, how do you get a new idea for, I mean, how can you brand that many EDOs and get a new idea and not just regenerate or redo somebody else's brand, you know, or, or replicate a cookie cutter approach? Well, the answer to that is really simple. Every organization or community is at a different point. Um, we recently um, uh, rebranded an organization that hadn't probably been branded um, in about 25 years and it was all about, for them, repositioning, reintroducing themselves to the market. Um, we've had others that are in more of a business retention, that that's their major focus, is to really speak to external stakeholders. Um, So, it really depends on where the organization is in their process is kind of a point of why it's different each and every time, and that's really why we can craft that messaging and craft that creative platform that's really tailored to those organizations individually.
1: Right. Well, there's a lot in there I want to unpack, but you, you, you led to a few questions. One, so you do a lot of business-to-business branding. Are there any differences when you sit down to brand a business and an EDO? Because I know a business is really focusing on their target audience, whereas an EDO has to focus both on their target audience and their internal stakeholders. So talk a little bit about the differences, if there are any, between uh, between those two dynamics.
4: Well, probably the biggest difference, I would say, is the amount of people involved, right? So part of our process is... Um, key messaging sessions. So, with a B two B company, um, and, and the B two B companies that that we deal with are very obscure. We have this strange knack at our company to find the most obscure B two B companies you can ever find. Everything from um, flour sifter manufacturers to pre production construction companies to a variety of. Um, recycling aluminum pellets I mean it, it's a very strange uh, it's the most unsexy marketing that we probably do um, but the main difference is the amount of people involved so with EDOs and communities you know you really have to engage um, those internal stakeholders as well as those internal stakeholders so you know for example um, one of the ways we do that is uh, holding key messaging sessions or town hall type meetings and also one on ones. But the main difference is the number of people, right? So in a company, you're dealing usually with the C level um, group. And sometimes companies want their employees to be involved. We always encourage that because it makes them feel part of the process. Mm-hmm. Whereas CEOs or a community, There are residents sometimes to deal with, um, the external business community to deal with, and that's difficult to chase those folks down because they're running a business. Um, But, you know, executive board, organizations have to be involved. So the number of people is exponentially larger when you're dealing with an ego versus a B2B company.
3: Okay, awesome. So that kind of leads into our second question here. So you brand for many economic development organizations and what is your process really? Where do you start and where's your ideal goal to get them?
4: So the process does start with the key messaging session. So that usually happens with the core group of decision makers um, and we it, it's, it could be an hour, it could be half a happy day, it can be a variety of different ways. And um, from there, depending on the next step, then we either open it up to the public or we have specific industry or business leaders that we need to um, to talk with. Once we kind of formulate all that, we ask some series of key questions. Some of them are kind of off the wall. Some of them um, are are things that most uh, business people don't think about in terms of um, color and, um, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, sort of those type of questions. And then from there, we take our notes and um, we take copious notes and um, kind of go back to work for a while. So we synthesize that internally and then we meet internally. You know, we usually have a couple really key nuggets that come out. Um, you'll start hearing the same thing kind of again and again from from a group of people. And then from there, what we do is come up with a brand uh, narrative. And then from there, we then um, will come back normally with two to three brand concepts, which includes the brand narrative, um, the beginnings of a creative platform um, with a logo, with some, uh, some color palettes, elements, things like that and then um, depending again on how large the group is, we bring those back to that key group and kind of present that and kind of explain to them. um, And we'd like to do that kind of old school. Now with COVID, not sure how we're gonna do that visually on screen. Um, We we did it a little bit with a, 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 a product that's going to be coming to market in um, January, um, and if you don't get the sense of it, you can't touch it, you can't feel it, you know, the colors look a little bit different on the screen, but we usually board it up old school and, and kind of pass it around and talk through it, and generally we'll have a good indication of what they don't like and what are things they do like, um, but the messaging is really the key component because that drives the creative one you can't really have the other to form a brand otherwise it's just a logo and you don't have any meat behind that so that's kind of our process and then from there um, generally what happens is we uh, obviously finalize everything and then we come back with a marketing plan and how to launch it and implement it. And that's where that long-term engagement happens with our clients because they don't have the resources to hire a marketing person on staff. Many of them don't. Some of the organizations have one to two to three people on their team and, and resources are limited. So we sort of serve as their um marketing department per se and helping them implement because why go to all that work to create a beautiful brand and not be able to implement it properly so there definitely has to be buy-in from the very beginning in terms of yes we want to go forward with this yes we're going to fund this we've had an edo recently about two years ago that engaged with us and went into their reserves because it was that important for them um, to, to to make that long-term commitment so that's kind of the process in a really brief nutshell. Well,
1: Becky, we do a lot of executive searches. Our our firm does, and one thing that, that most executives do when they come in is they want to rebrand an organization, <laughs> even if the branding is already good. And I understand wanting to put your own, you know, your own stamp on everything, but. Uh, when do you think it's time to rebrand? How do you know when it's time to rebrand? Even if you've been somewhere 15, 20 years and you had a successful brand, what signs are there that you know things are getting stale and it might be time to, to look at rebranding your EDO? Yeah,
4: that's a great question. And you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of times that process occurs when um, someone new comes on board. But it also occurs when someone is about to leave their career and retire. And we've been in that situation three times now where it is their swan song. It's their last chance to put the organization in a better position than where they left it. And good economic developers who are at retirement age want to leave that organization and that community better off than when they they found it. Um, So the three that I'm thinking of are definitely in that category where they want to be able to have a great legacy um, from their career, and the way to do that is to make the organization um, better, stronger, more clear. Another reason to rebrand sometimes happens with a website. So a lot of these folks still have very outdated websites. So some of them will come to us and say, we really just need a new website. Well, we can't really put lipstick on the pig, right? So we have to go back and we have to say, well, let's look at your website today. It, it's probably got way too much content. It's probably visually outdated. It's probably not mobile friendly or tablet friendly. It's probably, got wonky stuff on the back end that hasn't been updated in how long. So that's another reason um, is is the need for a website that really speaks to site selectors and targeting industry. Makes okay. sense.
3: Yeah, definitely makes sense. So, we know how restaurants always use red since red makes you hungry whenever it comes to branding. Are there any specific colors that economic development organizations tend to use, or does it just kind of tie into the colors of the community? How does that really work?
4: Yeah, so, you know, most of the audience that that we deal with are men, and most men gravitate towards blue and green. Um, And so, what we try to do is um, work you know, within those colored types But we always like to add um, interesting accent colors that just take it off the edge a little bit so it's not so chamber-looking or because everybody can have a blue and green logo in the economic development world and in the chamber world and the community world, community branding world, and and everything would look the same. So one of the things that we've done differently is in one of the messaging sessions in the community in Kansas that we worked with, one of the words that, um, or one of the colors that came out of our messaging was, I just think it's just that community just is brown, it's just brown. And then in another one, it was a messaging, of, it's just a brown shoe. You're a brown boot kind of community. We brought <laughs> brown into their brand. And we, and it was a success. And one of the people in the key messaging in the early part of that process actually called us when we rolled it out and she said, I cannot believe how you pull off that brown. Like, I could not even believe how you pulled that off because <laughs> brown in a logo. And, um, and that's, you know, one of the things. And one of the other brands that we've developed um, is uh, was in Kansas um, was a wheat color because that was important to them. Um, So using kind of that golden wheat um, with some accent colors with blue and and some reds and stuff. So really blue and green are kind of what most people kind of expect, but we just did um, a brand that has got um, purple and red as a combination. Um, Very, very different uh, and very out there in terms of what things look like um, in the market. So that's gonna be exciting to see how that gets rolled out after the first year.
1: Why, uh, what is it in blue and green that, that men's psychology are drawn to? I mean, I'm drawn <laughs> to blue because of the UK Wildcats. Not that ugly blue that, that Kansas has, but that nice pretty blue of a winning championship team.
4: <laughs> I have no dog in What's that the psychology <laughs> behind it? <laughs> I don't have a dog in either of those fights. But, um, you know, it's just a, it's a pleasing color. Um, it's a color that, um, you know, some men are colorblind um so what they think is blue is sometimes not necessarily as blue as you think (laughs) that's always fun but uh you know it is just a it's a nice calming color green obviously represents growth um blue is blue sky so i think a lot of a lot of men think in those terms and so um why that, those two colors come up the most.
1: Great. Well, we'll get yeah. you out of here. But last but not least, uh, you know, your organization, excluding, what are some of the best brands out there that you've seen some some EDOs have? You know, what's something that yeah. off your eye or something that our listeners can go look at and, and yeah.
4: take notice of? That was an interesting question and I'm glad that you asked it because um, there are a couple. Uh, actually, the um, St. Louis Partnership, the STL Partnership, I think has done a great job of rebranding themselves. I know they haven't always had a strong brand like KCADC here in Kansas City has had a very, very strong national brand. But I really like the simplicity of the STL partnership. But I'm a big fan of self-contained logos that can reproduce very well that can be embroidered easily that can be screen printed um, that's that's bold it's very simple of a brand but i really like it um, the other one is um, the city of Berwyn, illinois um, it's not necessarily EBO brand but it's an interesting little community outside of chicago and then my go-to for just looking at a lot large amount of data and how that's being positioned is columbus uh, It was Columbus 2020, and now it's um, basically just Columbus. But they package themselves up in a way that I'm always looking at for inspiration and especially with really content-rich websites because they have a very, very content-rich website that doesn't feel like it. And so um, that's one of the ones that I usually look at and continually to see what kind of updates they're doing or whatever.
1: No, I love Columbus's brand. That they, they do a great job with it. Well, Becky, for our listeners out here, if they wanna find more information about you or uh, or Candid, how do they find you?
4: You can go to JustBeCandid.com, or you can email me at Becky, B-E-C-K-Y, at JustBeCandid.com. All
1: right. Well, Becky, thank you for your time today. Mm -hmm. Always good to see you, and let's catch up in Kansas City soon.
4: Love it. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Gabby.